Thank you, Brother Jake, for the invitation. Thank you, church, for allowing me to be here. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, uh, turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 13 through 20 of Colossians, chapter 1. You know, as I was thinking and praying about the message that, that the Lord would have me to, uh, to speak tonight, uh, you know, I listen to uh, contemporary Christian music a good bit, and uh, there's a particular song. I don't remember anything about the song right now except that, that let me tell you about my Jesus. Okay? Well, that's what I want to do tonight. I want to talk about Jesus. You can't go wrong as a preacher when you're talking about Jesus, right? Okay. So that, these verses in, in first, or Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20, they have a lot to say about who our Jesus really is and what He has done and what the Father did also. So, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 13, the Bible says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness shall dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Our Heavenly Father, as we consider these words of Your Holy Scripture this evening, I pray that You will guide us and teach us, Lord, by Your Word and by Your Spirit, that we may understand what You have for us from this passage of Scripture tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God the Father is a work. God the Father has a plan. And we're going to see in these verses some of how He carries out His plan, what it took for Him to do that. And so as looking at verse 13 there, uh, the He that is, that is the very first word there, that is the Father. Okay, so you can say, God the Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love who is Jesus, right? Okay, so we see God the Father at work here in or with His plan of salvation, okay, working things out so that a lost world could be saved. And so He says, God the Father in His perfect plan has delivered us from the power of darkness. Okay, now we understand that darkness is the opposite of light, isn't it? Darkness is what Jesus came to dispel. Okay, the Savior came to give light. Jesus Himself said, I am the light of the world. Okay, 
And so we know that He has come to deliver us from the power of darkness. And that power is exemplified in one name. The devil or Satan. Okay? So, God the Father has made the plans necessary. He has worked everything out so that could, so that, that could take place. That the power of darkness would be defeated. Okay. But He also, in addition to delivering us from the power of darkness, He has transferred, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, uh, we need to think about that for a little bit. Conveyed or, or, or trans, transported, transferred. Okay? Um, if you go into, into Romans chapter 8, which I'm not going to turn over there, but uh, you, that can be your homework to, to read Romans chapter 8. It'd be well worth your time. Okay? But in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul talks about adoption. Okay? Adoption. You know what adoption is, right? Adoption is someone being transferred from one family into another family. Okay? I know something about that because our son is adopted. We adopted him. And so um, he is now, he is a part of our family. Okay? Legally, morally, every in everything except blood. Okay? He is our true son. He was conveyed or trans, transported, transferred from his family to my family. Now, does that sound a little bit familiar when we put that in spiritual terms? I hope it does for you because the Lord Jesus told us that, um, that we used to be in the family of the devil, the family of Satan. Okay? But something happened, didn't it? Whenever we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we were conveyed, we were transferred, transported into the family or the kingdom of God. And that is awesome to think that that could happen. And, and, and here's the thing. It, it has to happen. Okay, it, it has to happen. Because if we're not part of His family, then we're not part of Him. Alright, so He has... The Father then has given, has released us from the power of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, who we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, this Jesus, this Son of His love, He says it is in, in Him, in the Lord Jesus then, in verse 14, that we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption through His blood. Redemption, that's, that is a beautiful theological word. Okay? Redemption has to do with, with someone being, being purchased out of slavery and set free. Can you see how that would apply to, uh, to us spiritually? That as lost people, we were enslaved by sin. Jesus came to redeem us. He paid the price. He paid the price to set us free from sin 
and shame and guilt and all those other things that you can say about it. He did that. Now, well, I think we all recognize that we are sinners. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Even as believers, there are those times when and we hate to admit it, but there are still those times when we sin, don't we? I think we all have to confess that. But here we have, He redeemed us through His blood. And notice how that language is there. There's a comma after blood, and then it just says, the forgiveness of sins. That means that, that those two phrases, redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins, it means they're equal. It means that basically... Forgiveness of sins is just restating the fact that we have been redeemed by the blood. So, this is what Jesus has done. When did He shed His blood? On Calvary's cross, right? I mean, on Calvary's cross. He shed His blood. He died so that our sin debt could be paid. Alright, so, redeemed through His blood, which amounts to the forgiveness of sins. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but uh, uh, okay, let's go back to, to what the Father has done. He delivered us. He conveyed us. Now, if you uh, go down a little bit further, you will see that He ensured that all fullness, that's verse 19, ensured that all the fullness dwells in the Son. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. What's this saying? It's saying that, that in God's plan, in the perfect plan of the Father, He set it up so that His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, God in the flesh, okay, that He would have all the fullness of God in Him. Okay, He's not just part God and part man. No. He is all God and all man. Okay, Make sure that you understand that. Jesus Christ is 100% God and He is 100% man also. All the fullness of God dwells in Him. What does that mean? It means that, that He can do what, what needed to be done. Okay? And that was to take care of our sin problem. He is able to do that because He Himself is God. Okay? So, it pleased the Father that all the fullness should dwell in Him. And because that fullness dwells in Him, then He can bring reconciliation between God and man. Now, that is a very big deal. A very big deal. Because as sinners, as lost people, we were alienated from God is the way that the Bible states it. We were enemies of God. Okay? But if we're going to be part of God's family, we can't be enemies with Him, right? And so the Lord Jesus Christ he is the one who has reconciled us to God. What does reconcile mean? 
It means bringing two who were enemies into friendship. Okay, Maybe you've experienced some reconciliation at one point or another in your life. If you are saved, then I guarantee you have experienced some reconciliation. Because you had to be reconciled to God for there to be peace in your heart. Okay, now, let's get to the characteristics of the Son here. In uh, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God. Can you see God? The Bible says no. The Bible says He's invisible. Okay? But the Bible also tells us, Jesus Himself said this, If you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. You may recall that at a certain point in Jesus' ministry, one of His disciples, Philip by name, said, well, Lord, just, just show us the Father and, and we'll be satisfied. That'll, that'll be great. And that's when Jesus told him, Philip, have you been with Me so long and still don't understand that if you have seen Me, you have seen the Father? So that, that tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? It tells us that, that He is God. He is the image of the invisible God. We can't see the invisible God. We can most definitely see Jesus. When we get to heaven, we will see Jesus. Okay? Whenever He took, whenever he took flesh upon Himself and became a human being, became a man, okay, that continues throughout eternity. And so whenever we get to heaven, we will meet the Lord Jesus. He will be in a resurrected, glorified human body. Alright? So, we find also then that He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, there are those who would try to say that that is saying that Jesus was created, but He was the first one created. Well, that's hogwash. Okay, in theological terms, it's hogwash. Okay? Uh, firstborn here means that He has the preeminence over everything. Over all of creation. And why can we say that? Why is that possible? Because He created everything. He is the one who did the job of creating. Okay? So you can find this also in Hebrews chapter 1 if you, if you read through there. Um, but firstborn means that He has the preeminence. He is the boss. He is the authority. Okay? So, um, and then verse 16 goes on to explain about that. For by Him all things were created. Which things? All things that are in heaven and that are on earth. That pretty well takes up everything, doesn't it? Okay. He's the one who created all of creation. It says both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers and all those, those words there, but it all comes down to the fact that Jesus Christ is the power. He is the authority. He is the one who is in charge. He's the boss. He's the Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay? And all of creation 
owes their respect and their allegiance and their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who created everything. So all things were created through Him and for Him. Now you can also find this in, in John chapter 1 where, uh, where John writes about this. Okay, So He is before all things. And this is not, I don't believe, talking so much about time as it is going back to what we said about the firstborn, about preeminence. That he is, he is over everything. He's the one that er, the, all of creation looks to him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. All things consist. Now, what, what, what do we mean by that? What, what does it mean that all things consist in him? Okay, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the picture that I get from that, all things consist, is that, that Jesus Christ is holding everything together. Okay? Holding everything together. I mean, all of, all of creation, and, and it's a marvelous creation, isn't it? Okay, some of you may remember, these come out several years ago, but... Uh, 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 Louis Giglio put out some DVDs uh, about creation, about the stars and, and, and all of this. I, I'm a science guy anyway, and I, I was just amazed by that. But all of this, all of the universe is in His hands. You know, I can remember an old song from a long time ago, He's got the whole world in His hands. And that's literally true. He is holding everything in His hands. Well, what happens if He no longer holds everything in His hands? What happens if He quits holding it? I'll give you a clue. 2 Peter chapter 3. Does anybody remember what 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about? Okay, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 is where Peter talks about uh, about the fact that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But then he goes on to say in the next verses after that, that there is going to come a time when, when the universe, when the elements are going to melt, okay, when, the, when everything is going to be burned up, the, the earth and, and everything, and all of all of creation is included in that. It's all going to be burned up, and he used Peter uses the word it will all be dissolved. I want to join this in him all things consist with what Peter says there to say that whenever, whenever he turns loose, that's what happens. The elements dissolve. They melt in a fervent heat. Everything, all of creation, I believe, ceases to exist. Now, there are some who would say that 
that uh, uh, that's just a purifying fire and that the earth, there's, there'll still be some cinders left and, and God will start with those cinders and rebuild. I do not agree with that. I think everything will be gone. Everything will be gone. And it's at that point then, if you, put, you, well, you can plug in Revelation chapter 20 uh, with the great white throne judgment. Okay? Which uh, in, in those verses, John says that, that at that time, they have nowhere to go. They have to go before the throne because there is no other place. Because it's all been burned up, dissolved, eliminated. So, this is what I believe all things in Him consist. I believe that's what it's talking about, that He is literally holding everything together. Okay? So, He is also the head of the body, which is the church. That's us, right? How did we get to be a body? We got to be a body when we got saved. When the Lord Jesus Christ brought us all together. And so we can say that some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, some of us are the mouthpieces. Different things of the body. And they're all under control of the head. For a human being, what happens if we cut the head off? Death. <laughs> right? Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. And as the head, that means He's the one who tells the church what to do. Right? He's the one who says, this is what we're going to do now. He's the one who makes those decisions. And so we recognize Him as our Lord. That's another way of saying as our head, the one who gives the orders, the one who makes the decisions, the one who calls us to go out and do what He would do, what the Lord Jesus would do if He were walking in this place. Does that make sense? Okay, so he is the head of the church. And he is also the beginning. Now, notice, who is the beginning? Doesn't say the beginning of what in this verse. So that tells me that it's in the beginning of everything. Okay, as in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, Jesus did what was necessary. So, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. He is, we have the word firstborn again here. This time it's the firstborn from the dead. What would that be talking about? Resurrection, right? Jesus rose from the grave. I hope that we're all convinced of that. 
that Jesus truly did rise from the grave. Okay? Because to be honest, if you don't believe that, then you need to get on your knees. You, you need to go spend some time with the Lord. Okay? Because as the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection is everything concerning our faith. And if you can't say with 100% confidence, yes, the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If you can't say that with confidence, then there's a spiritual problem there. Because without the resurrection, the Apostle Paul says our faith is vain. Which means it's worthless. And so just consider it those things. He is the firstborn from the dead. The first one. The one who will be calling us out of the grave when that blessed resurrection day that we're all waiting for, longing for, hoping for, when He says, come, come. We have the beautiful story about, about Lazarus in, uh, in our Bibles, don't we? How Jesus came after He had been in the tomb for four days. But Jesus called Him out of the tomb. It's a picture of how He's going to call us out of our graves also. He is the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, He has the preeminence. Who's the most important person ever? The Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what it means by Him having the preeminence. He is the one that we look to for everything. Okay, now we can, we can go back to verse 19 there. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. So taking all of these characteristics, these qualities of the Lord Jesus Christ and plugging them in here, that helps us to understand more about the fullness, doesn't it? And again, it was the plan of God the Father that it would be exactly this way. And so then, reconciliation is made possible by Him, by Jesus Christ, to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Peace is a very precious commodity. I can remember uh, before I got saved, the, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. Okay, if you've been saved, you know what I'm talking about when I say the Holy Spirit was dealing with you. Okay, uh, We call that conviction in our theological terms. But the Holy Spirit was convicting me. He was telling me that I was a sinner. He was telling me that I needed to be saved. He was telling me that I needed Jesus. Okay? He was telling me this. And 
as I struggled against him, I felt anything but peace in my heart and in my life. And I'm telling you, there was no peace there. And it, it seemed like every day that condition of no peace just grew, got stronger. It was like my life was just filled with chaos and, and disorder, which it truly was because that's what the devil brings. Okay, so here I am then, struggling because I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up the rule, my rule over my life. But the Holy Spirit didn't give up on me. He didn't. Now I will I will tell you, you know, I, I grew up in Baptist Church in Millshoes. Okay. I heard the gospel preached. I couldn't even begin to, to count. Um, my parents took me to church every time the doors were open. You've heard this expression before. I was a drug child they, because they drugged me to church every service. But I never, I never realized, it just never really sunk home to me that I was a sinner, that I was lost, and that I was on my way to hell. Until, this was uh, several years after Linda and I were married even, but uh, we were in that same church and the preacher had preached the message and I asked Linda if she wanted to be baptized because I knew that she had, never, she had not grown up in church. Here I was, 27 years old. And I'm asking her not does she want to be saved, but does she want to be baptized? That shows my lack of understanding here, right? And so she said to me, she who had not grown up in church, who, did, who wouldn't know any better, uh, she said, well, isn't, isn't there something you're supposed to do first? And so I said, well, let's go ask the preacher. And so we, we went we went to let the evangelist speak to us. I listened as he explained the gospel to Linda. And as he's telling her, well, you, you know, you need to uh, repent. You need to uh, confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Reach out to Him. And as he's explaining these things to her, it's, it's dawning on me that that's never happened in my life. And I realized that night then that I was not saved. I was just as lost as I could be. Well, back to the Holy Spirit and His part in all this then. Every day, every day for the next about six months or so, the Holy Spirit was telling me that I was lost. And uh, he, he would do something in, during the day 
to remind me that if Linda and I, for example, would have gotten killed in a car crash, that she would go to heaven and I wouldn't. Six months of this, 180 days. Okay? So I'm, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit did not give up on me. He just kept on and on. He kept laying it in front of me. And finally, the day came when I had all I could, all I could take. So I knelt down in my living room and I said, Lord, I don't know what you can do with me, but I'm yours. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. Please forgive my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And you know what? He did. He did. And I look at that and, and, and it's still awe-inspiring to think that, that He would do that for someone like me. But He did. And I give Him praise and honor and glory for that. And at that point, this is where the peace come in. But you already knew that, didn't you? This is where the peace comes in. Because that moment when I gave it all to Him, there was a peace that filled my soul like, like you cannot imagine unless you've experienced it. That peace, the peace of Christ, that peace of being reconciled to God, no longer an enemy with Him, but now a friend, now a part of His own family. That peace filled my heart. Now, is that peace filling your heart also? Can you say with 100% certainty, I know that I am saved. I know that the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ resides within me. I hope and pray that everyone in here can say that. I know, I know that I am saved. And yes, Jesus has given me peace that is beyond all understanding. So I just ask that you would examine your hearts as we go into our invitation time here shortly. Please examine your hearts. And don't leave here if you can't say with certainty, I am at peace with God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we give You our thanks, we give You our praise because You have done everything that we needed You to do. Lord, You have, you have dealt with our sin problem and You have poured out grace upon grace. And Lord, thank You so very much that we have reconciliation in You. So, we just say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.